Welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha, a podcast shared by David Roylance. This podcast is dedicated to guiding you to completely eliminate the discontent mind and the suffering it causes by attaining enlightenment. Learn and practice the teachings of Gotama Buddha that will guide you to fully attain a peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. To support this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha or visit buddhadailywisdom.com where you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online learning resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Now, here's our teacher to share more. Hello and welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha. I'm really glad that you've joined us for today's podcast. We're going to be discussing why study Gautama Buddha's teachings. It's really important as you get started with diving into Gautama Buddha's practice of teachings that you kind of pause for a moment and and just try to understand why. You know, why are we studying Gautama Buddha's teachings? What's the purpose? You know, it can be something that feels a little bit obvious for most, but it's important that we consider it and make sure that we really put some thought behind what's the real purpose of this learning and practice of Gautama Buddha's teachings. Well, oftentimes we think about Gautama Buddha and we think about him as this great, wonderful teacher who we respect and have great admiration and gratitude for. And I'm sure many, many people feel that way if you've even benefited slightly with his teachings. However, in understanding why to study Gautama Buddha's teachings, I think it's important to pause and think of Gautama Buddha as a human being, as a teacher, as someone who made his way into the human world just like all of us based on our gamma. And when he came into the human world, he had the same mind as everyone else. He had a discontent mind. Yes, he was a prince. He was destined to be a king. And he lived a a very luxurious life for 29 years before he eventually went outside the palace. But at that time, when he went outside the palace and during his initial pursuit of enlightenment, he had the same afflictions of the mind, the same defilements, the same taints, the same challenges that that we face. He had craving, he had anger, he had uh, what we call ignorance or unknowing of true reality. His mind also experienced sadness, anger, frustration, irritation, boredom, loneliness, guilt, fears, shame, shyness. He experienced all these same discontent feelings of the mind And it was through his dedication, through his commitment, through his journey that he did ultimately leave the palace and decide to try to discover the teachings to eliminate that discontent mind. And in doing so, he absolutely discovered the teachings that eliminate the discontent mind and shared those over the course of his lifetime from the age of 35 until he died at 80. So for 45 years, he shared teachings that would lead himself and others to a very content mind, a very peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. In doing so, there were many teachings that he needed to share, which we're going to dive into in this group learning program. 
if you've been reading the book that I've shared already, or if you're just getting started with it, as we get through the book, as we start moving into it, the teachings are going to be slowly uncovered for you to help you understand this journey to awakening the mind. For example, next week, we're going to be discussing what is enlightenment or Nibbana. The week after that, we'll be discussing the Four Noble Truths to help you understand the origin of the problem, the cause of the problem, how to eliminate the problem and the way forward. We're going to be discussing the Eightfold Path. We're going to go through step by step the teachings of Gautama Buddha. But here today in this talk, I think it's really important that you pause and that we pause for a moment before we embark on this journey or if you've been on this journey for a number of years, it's important that you reflect on why is it that I'm on this journey? And for me, what I think about is I think about this journey is, is a way to a more peaceful life, a kinder life, a more calm life, a more conducive life of living with other beings peacefully, living with ourselves peacefully. All too often, we think about this world and we think about all the things we need to do for somebody else. But learning and practicing these teachings is a path to helping you to evolve to a higher consciousness, to enlightenment, to Nibbana. And in doing so, you need to really focus on your own mind. And that's what the Wednesday classes are. And that's what the Sunday classes are on, on this live stream, on this virtual classroom. That's what all the resources are that I've been providing is to help you have the resources available to focus on training your mind. Because no matter what goes on in this world, there's always going to be, at least during our lifetime, there's going to be unenlightened people. There's going to be people who are, aren't on the path. There's going to be people who choose to have anger or hatred or ill will. And we can't expect that the entire world is going to instantly change its ways. But through these teachings, what Gautama Buddha brings our mind to is that we can change our mind. We can work to understand the teachings. We can work to train our mind through learning his teachings, practicing his teachings, not just meditation. Meditation is one aspect of the teachings, but there's so many other aspects that we need to learn and pursue in order to reach this awakened mind state. So it's important that we realize that these teachings in this path, it's about me, or in your case, it's about you. Yes, we need to recognize our interdependent connectivity amongst other beings and recognize that we need to have loving kindness and compassion and sympathetic joy and equanimity and all these helpful mind states. But it's really important to remember what this path is doing is it's allowing you to focus on your mind. This is why Gautama Buddha went off eventually into the forest by himself. Initially, he studied with other people for two years, and then eventually he went off by himself for four years. Now, that's not something you can do because you're not a Buddha and you need teachers and guides to help you along this path. But as a, as a Buddha, eventually becoming a Buddha, but when he was on this journey, he recognized that it was all about him. It was all about his mind. How could he be a good teacher? How could he be a good person? How could he offer anything to this world without first 
working on his mind. All too often, we get into a situation where we, we have loving kindness that starts to come up and boil up, but we haven't quite reached that mental state of nibbana yet. And we have this compassion for other beings, and we want to run out and tell everybody all these great things about Gautama Buddha's teachings that we're learning. And, and that's wonderful that we want to share with other people. But keep in mind that we need to keep the practice focused on your mind, on yourself. Because without that, it doesn't matter how much you teach, how much you uh, smile, how much you do your work, how, much, how many friends you have, how many times you uh, visit friends. If you're not sitting down and learning the teachings, spending time with books and spending time with teachers, spending time with different resources nowadays, YouTube, podcast, these Dhamma talks, whether it's spending time meditating. As I mentioned, that's one aspect of the path. If, if you're not doing these things, it would be very unwise to think that you could ever improve the condition of the mind and training the mind. I spend a significant portion of time teaching other people but I realized that in doing that, my number one priority is my own practice. Without learning, without understanding the teachings, without meditating regularly, without continuing to realize Gautama Buddha's teachings more and more in the world, I'm not useful for anyone. So while a lot of us have been taught in the West as we grow up that we need to do all these things for other people, that's great, and, it, and there's a time for that. But what this time is about that we spend on Wednesday and Sunday, and I hope you find some other times to also spend time focused on the teachings, this is about you. This is about your mind. This is about you focusing on the discontent mind and making sure that you're actively training it to improve the condition of the mind and to reach this mental state of Nibbana. I want to talk about how people actually learned during Gautama Buddha's time. So hopefully you're understanding now that this practice, this path, it's about you. It's about training your mind. And this is an important time to talk about how people actually learn on this path during Gautama Buddha's lifetime. I will share with you some observations that I make here in Thailand and uh, help you understand how it's a very different approach than what we experience in the West. You know, in the West, when there's teachings that are being shared like this, there's typically a scheduled meeting and everybody shows up and the person leading the meeting or the talk has a certain scheduled topic that they're going to talk about. However, the tradition of these teachings and the way that things work within the Buddhist tradition is it's not the teacher pushing the teachings out to the students and there's no forceful approach of, okay, now I'm stepping in here and I'm going to start teaching. The way that these teachings work here in Thailand is there's temples and there's teachers and the monks and the teachers live their life and they practice the teachings. They experience the results that they experience and they live their life. The only way that monks actually typically really start to teach is if the people ask them to teach. The monks don't just show up to a school or show up to a business and kind of say, all right, now I'm going to teach you to sit down and listen. 
It's really the people. It's really the villagers. It's the people that are going to the temples and requesting the monks to teach. So the way that these teachings really work and they work best is when the students take a committed and dedicated approach to their own learning, realizing that, yes, this is a practice that I need guidance and I need teachers. However, it's absolutely an independent practice. It's something where you need to choose to sit down and do meditation. You need to choose to pick up a book, but you also need to choose to do things like coming to class and asking questions. Because in order to pursue and progress on this path, you need to be able to think about what your teachers are talking about, what the books are telling you. You can't just, as connecting to what we talked about last week, you can't just believe what your teacher is telling you. There's no belief in this practice whatsoever. It's all about you learning the teachings and practicing the teachings so that you can see the teachings in practice, which allows you to acquire wisdom. It's this new wisdom that the mind starts functioning through in order to function differently in the world. And it's only this newfound wisdom that's really going to change the quality of mind. So how do you get that wisdom? Yes, you have to make decisions to meditate, to pick up books, to come to classes, but you also have to be thinking about the teachings that you're learning. When you read a book, it's not just reading it as as a novel and taking it in, it's reading it, diving into it. The Buddha used the word investigate. You need to investigate the teachings. Investigating the teachings is, yes, reading them and understanding them intellectually, but then applying them in daily life to see how they work and see how you're functioning and how things change and shift in those conversations that you have with friends and people around you and you're practicing things like right speech and you bring your speech closer and closer to right speech, noticing how those relationships change and those conversations change. It's really, really important that you investigate the teachings, that you reflect on them, you apply them in practice, and then you reach out to your teacher about the various observations that you're having because it's through your questions that I can understand where you are on this path. It's through your questions that I understand how you're thinking about the teachings and how they're affecting your life. It's through your questions that I understand about your life and I understand what's going on in your life so that as there's certain areas that you need guidance or you need help, I can share various teachings with you. So during the Gautama Buddha's lifetime, if you notice, if you've ever read any of his teachings, it almost always starts out with one of his close followers or close disciples asking him a question. It never starts with the Buddha saying, well, let me tell you this. Let me explain to you everything I know. And here it is, right? This would be uh, someone who has craving and desire to, to explain exactly what it is. And perhaps there might be some ego wrapped around that. So Gautama Buddha, he had his own practice. And there's actually times where he left his students for three months or so and just left them alone. He didn't stay with them his entire life. He was actively working on his own practice and continuing to meditate and continuing to practice himself. 
but it was his students that asked him questions and asked him repeated questions that then the teachings started to ooze out of him. Because as a teacher, you know, I have this book that is a structured learning chapter by chapter, but you know, if I sat down in one sitting and, and tried to talk to you about all of these teachings, it would be very challenging. One of the challenging things is, okay, we have this hour talk scheduled. What do we really talk about in just an hour? It's such a short amount of time. And in the West, you know, we probably think a 20 or 30 minute talk might be, might be long, but an hour is, is so short when you think about awakening the mind and how big this topic really is. So the only way that I know is the way that I observe in Thai society and the way that I observe in Buddhist culture, which is the students learn, they are on an independent practice, they're, they're gradually working on their own to learn and meditate and practice the teachings, and they reach out to the teachers and ask for help, and they ask with questions. And, and sometimes the question is, I don't know where to start right? I don't even know what question to ask you. That can, that's a very common question or a very common comment that I get uh, among Western students. Or it might be, hey, I've read these three, four, five books. They all seem to be saying something completely different, and I'm lost. I don't even know where to begin. Uh, so don't feel shy about saying, I don't know. I don't know what I don't know. And that's okay. Wherever you are, I have no expectations in terms of what you're learning, when you're learning, how you should be progressing. My only interest is to make myself available to people who have an interest in learning and, and growing. So I would like to encourage you guys as we continue to move in this program last week and this week, the next couple of weeks, we're going to be covering some pretty heavy topics. We're going to be getting into what is Nibbana, what is enlightenment, uh, the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path. Uh, we're going to dive really deeply into the five precepts because oftentimes those are really simplified and, and they're, they're not as simple as some of the translations may lead us to believe. So I really want to encourage you guys as we're talking about why study Gautama Buddha's teachings is that you understand this is your practice. This is your life. It's your life practice. And I am almost like a consultant or a guide, a teacher, but I'm not holding your hand and moving you through every little step. You need to do work on your own, which is reading, watching YouTube videos, podcasts, coming to these classes, doing meditation, and these types of things. So ask questions. Let me know what thoughts that you're having, whether it was from last class whether it was from this class, whether it's something that's totally not even applicable to what we're talking about at this present moment, but you happen to run across something that struck your mind as interesting or you weren't quite sure how to take that in, certain things that you're seeing at temples that you're visiting that you don't quite understand. When I ask for questions, you can ask questions on the topics that I'm talking about, or you can ask any question that's in your mind and helping you to get closer and closer to understanding the teachings of Gautama Buddha. So here I'll just pause and see if there's any questions out there. There's a question here that a student has submitted by chat that I'll read. I find it challenging to clear the mind for long stretches of time. Distractions come 
and I can cut the thoughts, but then new thoughts tend to come back. Is there a way to evolve past this busy mind during meditation so that I can then have a less busy mind in life? Okay, great question. So essentially what Amina is talking about is, yes, as you're moving forward in this practice, you may be in meditation experiencing the ability to cut the thoughts and bring the mind to the breath. And this is good, whether that's for one second or one minute or 10 minutes. And then because you're still on the path and you haven't yet attained Nibbana, there's going to be more thoughts that come. I'm not sure how long Amina's been meditating, but I know that her and I met here in Chiang Mai about six months or so ago, and I helped her get started on the path. So I don't I have a feeling that was the beginning of her really taking time and getting dedicated to the practice. In the big picture of things, six months is is a is really, really short amount of time to be on the path. And we shouldn't have the expectation that our thoughts are going to be able to be completely still and have attained singleness of mind in just a six months time frame. Remember, Gautama Buddha took him six years to attain enlightenment. And this is the man who is the originator, the founder, the declarer, the discoverer of this path, who we all look to now 2,500 years later as the one who really knew what he was doing when it came to these teachings. So we shouldn't have expectation that we're going to be able to still the mind every single meditation session. What you should do is just sit down or lay or stand or walk, whatever type of meditation you're doing, whatever position, and just meditate. And whatever it is, it is. Don't have a craving or a desire to necessarily stop the thoughts, but just keep meditating, keep bringing the mind back to the breath, And if new thoughts come in, okay, so be it. There's a new thought. Just cut it off, bring the mind back to the breath. Don't try to have an expectation that you won't have thoughts because I can tell you that you will have thoughts even when you have reached Nibbana or enlightenment, but what might happen is you'll have more beneficial thoughts and it won't be a flood of thoughts. You might be meditating, let's just say, once you've attained Nibbana for a period of time and things will be completely still and completely silent and you'll have what the Buddha called single-mindedness, where your mind will be focused. It doesn't move, it's in the middle. And you might be in that still spot for 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes and then there can be a thought. And just because there's a thought doesn't mean that's a bad thing. But what you're doing early in practice is you're clearing the mind of all the erroneous thoughts, the bombardment of thoughts, the negative thoughts. And the more that you do that and you make this space where you create single-mindedness, eventually what will happen is as you're in meditation, even you have this quietness and this stillness for 10, 15, 20 minutes, you will potentially have a beneficial thought of something that comes into the mind. And it doesn't mean you just jump out of meditation and go run off and do that thing. It's just, oh, they're okay. And you, and you, you move that aside as well. And you just stay focused on the breath. You don't try to have beneficial thoughts. You don't attempt to initiate beneficial thoughts. But even when you attain enlightenment and you get to the point where the mind's completely still, there's still going to be 
a thought that arises in meditation. It's never going to be completely, completely quiet forever and ever and ever because that's permanence, right? Nothing's permanent. Even uh, meditation, your, your each meditation session, you're gonna have different quality of meditation each time. Sometimes you're gonna meditate and everything's going really well. You get stillness of mind. You just really root into it. You get focused on the breath and boom, you get a really good quality session. And maybe the next couple of hours or the next day, it, it doesn't happen. Uh, that's, that's because of impermanence. Everything's impermanent. So don't enter meditation with expectations that you are going to cut all the thoughts and no thoughts are going to come. Enter meditation with just the, the thought of, I'm going to do some meditation. And that's it. I'm going to train this mind. I'm going to work on this mind. This is my time. I'm going to train the mind. That's it. No other expectations. And then, because you don't have that expectation, then whatever happens in meditation, it happens. And, and it's a good thing. Even if you get into meditation and you're sitting there for 20, 30, 40 minutes, and you realize that, man, my mind is just so bombarded with thoughts. It's so busy. Some people might get up from that meditation session and feel like I failed, I didn't do a good job, feel guilty or shameful or think they're not as far along in the path as they really are or think they're further along than they really are. But if you sit down in meditation and for 30 minutes what you walk away with or 60 minutes or however long you're meditating, 10 minutes, whatever, and you walk away with, gosh, my mind is is very busy today, that's awareness of mind. That's right mindfulness. That's the seventh step of the Eightfold Path. You're walking away from that meditation session with the awareness of the mind that, gosh, it's really busy today, and I'm going to need to really kind of slow this down if you know, things are going to go well for me today. So that's actually beneficial if you sit down and realize, gosh, the mind's really busy. Or if you sit down and, and the mind's really still, and you notice that, and that's helpful for you. So if you remove the expectation that there's something special that needs to be happening during meditation and you have to get to a certain stillness or else the meditation wasn't beneficial, if you eliminate that expectation, then whatever's happening in meditation, it's all good. It's all, it's all beneficial. It's all helpful, whether your mind was still or it wasn't. You're still cultivating awareness of mind. You're still cultivating awareness of breath. You're still practicing right effort in order to take the effort to move out the unwholesome thoughts and move in the wholesome thoughts. Bringing this talk back to the original topic, why study Gautama Buddha's teachings? Essentially, you're living with a discontent mind. You're living with sadness, anger, frustration, irritation, guilt, shame, boredom, loneliness, shyness, potentially fears, and other discontent feelings. While we grow up experiencing these feelings and thinking that these are part of the natural condition of the human, which it is, we actually can make a choice to no longer live with these discontent feelings. We can actually, now that you know that's a problem, you can actually take steps to learn the teachings and practice the teachings to eliminate this discontent mind. So for me, in making the decision to learn and practice the teachings of Gautama Buddha, it's making the decision that you no longer 
wish to live with the sadness, the anger, the frustration, the boredom, the loneliness, the guilt, the fears, the shame, this, the shyness, all of these discontent feelings that you've experienced your entire life in stepping forward to learn Gautama Buddha's teachings, it is making a decision that I no longer want to live with these feelings. And there is a solution. There is a way to eliminate this. And it's through the path that leads to enlightenment. Thank you for listening and choosing to learn and practice the teachings of Gautama Buddha. It's the very best thing that you could ever do for yourself, those close to you, and for all of humanity. Look forward to discussing more on our next podcast. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To provide support for this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha. To access more teachings, visit buddhadailywisdom.com. There, you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Remember to establish a daily, consistent meditation practice, along with learning and practicing these teachings. A well-developed meditation practice is the foundation in which to train the mind to attain enlightenment.